This is In the Wings with CTC, produced as a part of Connective Theatre Company's network of podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, and welcome to our first In the Wings with CTC episode. This is a podcast where we talk about everything theater related. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Lena Romano, and I'm excited to kick off this podcast with two of my favorite people and fellow CTC (laughs) Ensemble members, Chase Hauser and Ash Joy. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Chase is the artistic director of CTC, and Ash is the uh, director of development and equity. They will be in conversation today about the state of theater and what it looks like now and when we are able to go back in person again and do live performance, stuff like that. Um, thanks, Ash and Chase, for being here. How are you both? Thank you for having us. Yeah. I am. I'm okay. Today was a little heavy. Another unarmed black man was shot in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Prayers go out to Jacob Blake um, and his family and everybody else affected by that shooting. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, today is it's a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying that, Ash. Yeah. Yeah. My first question for both of you is, what does socially distanced theater in this new environment we are in look like? And how are theaters responding? What is CTC up to? What is the landscape of theater now? I think everyone's just trying to figure it out. I mean, I think that um, some playhouses are more excited to get back to physical theater than others. And I know that for the most part, I think physical theater is not happening, at least in uh, the United States. I know CTC, we're focusing a lot on digital production as other theaters are too, but that also kind of makes for a more crowded market and, and uh, a little bit more competition and like keeping things interesting and engaging in a digital space that's already like overwhelming with not only like other theaters competing to do the same thing but also like Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu and shit like that and like YouTube and so it is a lot to navigate right now um and I know that there are some theaters in in London uh in other cities and other countries around the world who have kind of brought a version of socially distanced theater to the table um it's a little live, bit live, live theater, physical mm-hmm. in oh, really? person. Yeah, yes. And there was there was one like there's a production in London, at the Palladium like last month. It was apocalyptic to say the least, <laughs> and I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know if it's the time to do that. I know people are excited to get back to theater, but uh, the show that they were doing, a bunch of the seats were just covered in X's, like you know indicating that people couldn't sit there. And there was talks about audience members having to walk through like mists of disinfectant before they go in. You have to wear masks the whole time. It's like obviously miserable for performers too. Like it's like, like the article was talking about how sad it was for a performer to be there, like giving it their all, you know what I mean? And there's barely anyone there. And you also can't even really kind of see their reaction or kind of like gauge the relationship in a way between the audience because of the masks like over their faces. And it's like, Um, like the, the fear of COVID is i'm sure just like the the elephant in the room you know exactly. what i mean which kind of yeah, makes exactly. it hard to it just seems like it would make it hard to focus on what's right. happening on yeah. stage and and i think that that was another thing i was thinking about too is just the difficulty in not only like achieving immersion into a play and like you know like really losing yourself in a play but also like sustaining that because like even if you do overcome 
your fear of the virus or whatever and you like and you like lose yourself in the play like that can get broken pretty quick yeah. when it comes to like you look you look next to you and there's like all these people in masks there's like the uncomfortability of wearing the mask you're like getting hot or it's yeah. just like kind of tugging on your ear in some type of way so do the actors yeah, I definitely, have to wear masks no i think the the show at the palladium was a concert and there there were musicians on the stage and they were wearing masks but the singer wasn't wearing a mask wow and also people are talking about doing like shorter shows for like exposure risk to like mitigate that so you might not be able to go see like a full two hour or you know two act musical that's like runs three hours with intermission but you could easily more easily maybe put on a a one act you know what i mean like a 90 minute or a a shorter play because like the longer people are in the theater the higher the risk for like exposure wow i never thought about that this time just changes everything about theater like even when all of this even when there's a vaccine i mean what do you think about when there's a vaccine though you know what i mean like do you think Mm -hmm. people would be more willing to expose themselves to covid i think there like might be value in a theater um saying like y'all can come see this show if you all have had the vaccine and kind of like having proof Mm. of like vaccination but also that's like really weirdly like dystopian sounding and also there's a lot of like accessibility issues with a vaccine and like the prices of the vaccine and just general comfortability but i think that definitely will like it'll be interesting to see how playhouses navigate uh audience members either being vaccinated or not what do you think about I was thinking about because I went to like an outdoor comedy show the other day and we literally everybody just it was like a drive in comedy show. I wonder if that would be. I mean, we live in Chicago, so I guess I could only be during the summer. It just seems like that would be the only as of right now, the only like the smartest way to actually put on a show on stage. Because it was it was good. It was like we're just in our cars, just watching it from. Yeah, just watching it from my cars, and it was it was a, a decent amount of people there, and it was great. You know what I mean? And nobody yeah. was, like, contacting each other. You couldn't, like, be outside your car without a mask. Did they have a PA system set up, or how did they deal with sound? Yeah. It was, yeah. It was, um, I guess, I mean, it's, it's the same system that you would use, like, in a huge auditorium or like a huge space or like a huge stadium so they so they had mics on yeah and, the, and there was just giant oh nice. yeah yeah i mean that i think that's dope i think also honestly as long as like it's like a drive-in type of situation i could see people trying to get away with that in winter that would be dope i mean i i would like kind of love it in winter and like honestly even like at like the actor side of me would kind of like i don't know it kind of sounds like exciting in a weird way to like be like 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 in full winter clothing and like <laughs> performing and like it just sounds weirdly like primal and that's why i think it sounds kind of fun but i mean it's not realistic yeah no and it's and that is but see that's the thing it's like what is it gonna take like how long will we be without theater in the way that we're used to seeing theater because like ctc is doing a great job at like you know being innovative and being creative and we're coming up with other Mm. ways to express art and to put up art and i think that that's what's gonna have to happen until people are ready to be in that space again and i don't know what that's gonna Mm -hmm. take or how long it's gonna take i love that ctc is like dedicated to still putting art on a digital platform that's like really cool to me yeah i agree and i think too 
so many people are like hungry to get back to theater and like they're like oh i want to go to theater i'm missing the theater it's like yeah same but also like if we were to do that it wouldn't be the theater that you remember it so you'd still miss it because it's not even it's not what it was yeah. do you mean so it's like even if you bring back physical theater, it's not what it is. And another thing too about just like creating work right now is I said this 500,000 times, but I think, I think that it's interesting watching theaters response to like making stuff digitally because I feel like so many theaters are like trying to force the essence of theater onto a digital space and onto like the internet instead of allowing digital spaces and the internet in like inform what theater can be mm. do you know what I mean so like they're trying to like fit a square through a, a square through a peg hole mm-hmm. or like a circle through a square mm-hmm. peg mm-hmm. anyway that's <laughs> yeah it was yeah, there it yeah. was there so I, <laughs> so I do feel like there's like a little bit of like some I think with a lot of theaters trying to like force theater onto this digital space as opposed to just getting a little bit more like organic with it which is hard yeah. but mm-hmm. um, so do you think that this new virtual momentum that we have right now with everything happening via Zoom and StreamYard, do you think that that'll change theater once we go back and there it'll stay, like things will stay virtual? Um, will there be aspects of virtual theater even when we go back to live performance? Um, will it just end completely, you know? I think that is something that like, one thing about like being in quarantine and having to produce um, like virtual plays and virtual work, I think that is something that that's so cool that has come out of this moment and like this experience. I do think that it will continue um, because it, it is like a new platform to express yourself and to put up work and to like be creative and to create art. I think that that will continue. Um, and I think that it would just like progress as time goes on. However, I don't think that, yeah, nothing can just, nothing can beat live theater at all. Like even when mm-hmm. you record live theater, it's just like the magic that happens on stage with performer and audience is is something just so special and unique that, yeah, I, I just I just think that if we do go back to that, I think we would cherish it a lot more. <laughs> Cause like that's something mm-hmm. that I truly do miss. Um, as far as like StreamYard and Zoom, don't get me wrong, like I I like it, but because I did I did like a stage reading um, via Zoom, and it was just so it was weird, dude. I was just I don't mm. know, it was just so weird. Like it was just it was weird. It was so it was just odd. Like I couldn't. It was mm. difficult to really like become the character, um, just because you're you're it's so many like filters to go through. You know what I mean? In between, absolutely, like, yeah. You and your castmates, and then you and the audience. It's just so many different, like, just so many levels in between me and everyone else. And I think that, like, we artists will figure out a way to use v- to use Zoom and Streamyard, even after we go back to to th- to theater. Just because, like, it is it it is something that just kind of came about, and and it works. You know what I mean? Like it still works and there are still it works in in so many different ways and I think that like it's so it's so many ways to utilize that and also have theater live theater be what it is. I agree and I think I honestly think that I mean it's going to sound judgy but I think that the more out of touch theaters will kind of go once we go back to physical theater like in person theater I think some of the more out of touch theaters will just go straight back to that 
um, and, and leave all the digital stuff in the past. I think the smarter choice to make is to continue to incorporate digital media in in a theater's work. I think it's important to have both at this point, not only because, you know, we might have to deal with like more waves of this and more things of this nature that kind of shut down um, physical theater in the future, but also because I think that it does making quality digital work. If a theater company can like make that kind of work, then it's able to reach a wider audience. Yeah, why and not? It's also able to sort of I know, and it, yeah, exactly. And it's supposed to also kind of like make it also can make theater just feel a little bit extra relevant, which I think theater has needed for quite some time. You know, it's like I think a lot of people you're, you either love theater or you don't really know a lot about theater. You know, I don't think anyone hates theater, but I think people either like are a theater person or they're just like, oh, I know theater happens. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I think that also it like for a theater for a theater house to like keep digital production and to keep that as a priority would only help. Yeah, I agree. Once, once you all go back to physical theater. Yeah. It'll be actually, it'll be cool too, to see how like they integrate as well. Like how people mm-hmm. will use, because that that is a part of our history now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like this yeah. digital age and like having to being forced to use this 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 platform you know what i mean the platform mm-hmm. of zoom the platform of Streamyard, and just like digital digitally putting up art like that is now a part of our history so i'm i'm excited to see the stories mm-hmm. that will be told and you will have to use like both live theater and um digital theater to tell the story i i just think that would be so cool like to see how people incorporate that in like um the stories they they tell um I love that. And it also kind of runs, well, first of all, I'll say like in the wings is kind of doing that, right? Like, you know, this podcast, once we get, once we go back to physical performances, I know that this podcast will be used for like bonus content for the production that audience member sees. You know, if they like the production and they want to learn more about the process, they can go to in the wings and learn a bit more about like the physical, like the physical in-person play they just saw. They can learn more about through a podcast, which I think is really, really cool. Um, but also kind of, I do like the idea of, of, further like innovating the relationship between digital and physical theater from more of like a dna level where it kind of reminds me of like okay this is a tangent and you literally can cut this out if this doesn't make sense (laughs) but (laughs) but i remember like being a kid the rugrats movie on vhs was everything and they had like a scratch and sniff they had a scratch and sniff like sticker sheet that they put in the VHS. Oh my god! And during certain parts of the movie, it, they would put an em- they would put like a like a a symbol on the on the screen, yes, and then I would I know to scratch this. that. Do you did you have yes. this? You had this. Okay, hell yeah! I, don't, I literally don't know anyone else who had you this. You literally just brought and you would up scratch a childhood it. memory for me. Wow, that I just completely <laughs> forgot about. Yeah, yeah, <gasps> oh yeah, and you would scratch you would scratch it during that part of the movie, so you could like smell what the characters were you know for all intents and purposes the cartoon characters that's yes. what like tommy pickles was smelling in that moment how do you remember it was that? so cool <laughs> <laughs> how do you remember that <laughs> oh my I god i just think i and like that like i would like to see something like that in the sense of like really finding a creative way to mix yeah. the digital with the physical It'll be, and, yeah I think and it's be, coming like, i think that like it has yeah. no choice but to exist just because it does exist right, right now you know what i mean right. it's just exactly. like mm-hmm. it is going to be a part of the stories that we tell in the future and so it's yeah and fun. i want to get 
to like see that. And I want to get weird with it. Hell yeah. yeah. You have to. I want to like, I want to like, seriously, right? Yeah. And I want to be, I want to be like, you know, one of the theater companies. I know like a lot of what we're doing is like very practical as a company. Um, but I also do want to get like experimental with it, you know, and I want, I want to sort of like inspire other people to get experimental with what theater is in the combination of digital and physical. Um, like I know that there's that one person who made like a virtual reality theater that any theater can use for free. And it basically is like, you would, you would virtually like stay you would wait in the lobby and you can like hang out with other like theater guests and like other patrons and other audience members who are there that night to watch the performance. You can walk around the theater and it's all virtual. Um, and like, that's pretty cool and pretty experimental. I don't know how accessible it is with regards to like just learning curves of how that kind of stuff works. Um, but I do think that's like a cool example of getting a little bit more experimental with with what theater can be, as opposed to just like doing a virtual Zoom reading, which is dope. But like, I think we're kind of past that point. You know what I mean? Okay. I, think, I know I am. <laughs> I think it, that happened. I am too. <laughs> I try to act. I literally, on our first plays at home, I did one I did one like short little scene and I remember that was like, I'm not, I was like, I'm never doing that. No. Again. Yeah. I said I had, I had like six lines and I can never do that again. It was so hard to yeah. do acting on zoom. It was so hard remember, to do. And it also was so unfulfilling. Remember we were recording <laughs> a scene on zoom and my internet just kept fucking up. Yeah. And I was just yeah, like, yeah. so it was so frustrating. And that it was just, it was, it was honestly yeah. a lot. It was like, damn, it was just like, yeah, it was it was issues that you wouldn't even have thought of until they happen. And it's right. just like, damn, is something that and that was a monologue. Yeah, like imagine like in like scene work is like even like three times as hard, and that was hard enough just to do like a monologue. Yeah, yeah. How do you think we can avoid coming out of this crisis with only the richest theaters and the most established theaters and artists being able to produce work? Um. I think the main thing that small theaters can do is collaborate in bigger and again, more innovative ways and sharing resources, yes. like pulling together like resources, sharing like sales on a show um, that they could like collaborate on or, you know, if for theaters that are, that are paying rent, you know, maybe sharing that space for like the next year and splitting rent, you know, splitting costs and splitting profits and everything, just kind of like getting together. I mean, we know we can't, rely on the government we know we can't rely on like you know there's only a certain amount of like funding out there that people can keep applying to but i think the main thing is if if we all like kind of like it's hokey but like stick together and like work with other theater companies and sort of share the overhead i think is a, a big way that you know we all can like look out for each other so that the huge institutions aren't the only ones that get out of this unscathed yeah and i think honestly i think the the greatest thing about Chicago's theater community is that it is so experimental and it, it, like, like the storefront theaters are what make up Chicago theater. And I think that, mm -hmm. um, like you said, if we all work together for a common goal and then also like being creative as theater companies, like mm -hmm. putting out whatever, whatever you can, you know what I'm saying? Like everything does not have to be a fully produced show that's on stage like like what we're right. doing now podcasts um patreon just there are mm -hmm. so many other ways to put out work um and people will, will see it because people want to you know what i mean like people mm -hmm. want what is accessible and i think that if if storefront theaters remain accessible and continue to put out work any way they can 
then and, and that's just what they've been doing, which is why Chicago's theater community is so is so lucrative and it's so huge. Like people people love mm. Chicago because of the theater community and I think that like just continue doing what we've been doing and, and be as innovative and as creative as possible. And like Chase said, just continue working together because mm-hmm. it's not a competition. And at the end of the day, like we all want to work. We all want to put out art and by any means necessary, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope that um, sense of working together and like collaboration carries over Yeah, when we go back to live performances, you know? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. What does anti-racism look like in theater now? And when theaters go back to normal, in quotations, um, should we even think about going back to normal or should we create something new? What is the most effective way to implement change in the industry? One, hell no, we shouldn't go back to normal. (laughs) Normal was fucking, normal was anti-black and and racist. You know what I mean? Normal was putting, putting shows out there that, only catered to white mm-hmm. patrons and i think that it's very important to continue to to put to put that out there and to expose mm-hmm. that because normal was passive normal was dangerous mm-hmm. normal was mm-hmm. violent and it's like i think this time in, in quarantine being in quarantine having a, a chance to sit back and see things for what they are i think that no one wants to go back to normal except for the people who were benefiting off of that normal that normal right. state and that normal that normal way mm-hmm. of theater cuz like people were getting called out baby <laughs> it's about left and time. right yeah absolutely. you know what i mean for real and it's just like thank yeah. about time like you said thank god because it it's not going to work yeah. anymore normal normal was yep. never working and I think everybody, and in and, and always, obviously, like when it comes to normal America, like we're realizing that this shit is mm-hmm. dangerous and people, people are being silenced. People are being killed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Stories are not being told and stories that need to be told were not being told when things were normal. Mm-hmm. So no, hell no, we, we can't even think about going back to normal. We must create something new. Absolutely. And I think that, also, another thing, too, for, for theaters that sort of self-identified, you know, maybe last year and before um, as sort of a, a woke space or an inclusive space or a diverse space, I think they are really starting to learn how reckless and exploitative they actually were being. Um, of course, like, maybe it wasn't intentional, but the intentionality doesn't matter. Um so, you know, where it's like theaters might be putting on black stories, but it's actually just it's actually just black trauma and it's just used to sell tickets and to check off the oh, look at us, we're mm-hmm. a diverse theater company box. You know what I mean? Yep. So, I think that that word dangerous is like so so um I think it's such a important part to remember, you know, going forward and it's even like when it comes to like talking about you know, like 50 years from now, when we look back in like theater history textbooks, it's like, it's not only like the theaters that need to get called out because they're like objectively not inclusive and not like representative of BIPOC voices. But moreover, there's, there was, there's a danger in assuming that you are doing enough, you know what I mean? And, and when in reality you're not, or like there's a little bit, there's, there's a lot more nuance to it than just either you're inclusive or you're not as a theater company. And I think the biggest thing that theater companies 
all over should be doing uh, and can easily do is just asking themselves, how can we take this time that we have from COVID and being shut down? um, How can we take all this time that we have to learn and reorganize so that when we are going back to live theater and more typical ways of like working in theater, that there there's a foundational change. So it's definitely create something new and also use the time that we are given through this terrible pandemic to, um, create foundational change so that once we do get to go back to physical theater, um, it's different from, from the ground up and it's, and it's anti-racist and it's, um, truly representative and, um, inclusive of BIPOC artists and BIPOC voices. Yeah. And I think that's why, uh, we see white American theater, that organization and right. document is so important because it, it, because it outlines how theaters can achieve Literally, like, there are no excuses at this mm-hmm. point. Like, right. there never should have been None. excuses. Right. But even more so, like, in 2020, like, girl, like, you have all the answers you need. Mm-hmm. They are right there. They are spelled yeah. out Yeah, and if you. you're not doing it, if you're not doing it, it's because you don't Period. want to do it. And that mm-hmm. that speaks volumes. And I would, please show Great. yourself. Yep. You yep. know what I mean? Like, when we do, when, when theater does return and we're past this pandemic, it is going to be it's going to be so wonderful to see who is doing the work and who's mm-hmm. not and the people who aren't doing the work i guarantee they will mm-hmm. not survive they will not, you will not continue to have success Period. in this city in this country like no one is going no, for that anymore exactly like, and even like even if they like even if they like have like a few more years it's like when you talk big picture when you zoom out that's not the future yeah. period i feel hope in believing that theaters that do not adapt to these changes and these demands are going to last. Like the theaters that don't do that aren't going to last. And I have hope in that belief. I, it gives me hope yeah. for the future of, of theater and the future of really kind of the country as a whole. It's like that shit, that shit is like way past overdue done. You know what I mean? Now the country, I, right. Who knows? Right. Just because even what happened yeah. today, like, it's just like, what is it going to take? You know what I mean? I think when it comes to art, I think there is more accountability. There is um, more of a responsibility to the citizens of this country and the viewers of the art you put out. However, like, I, and, and, and I, I think through that art, this country will change. Just how, I mean, that's how it's been through the centuries. You know what I mean? Art has always, art is meant to heal. As artists, our, our, we want to change the world. You know what I'm saying? I think some of the most greatest artists want to change the world, and they have. And so I think that, like, hopefully through this this renaissance, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we do see change in this country, just because I don't know how much more we can take Honestly, I, I don't know how much more I can take. I don't know how much more like the communities that I'm a part of can take. So I do have hope, obviously, for art and, and the future of theater. And I hope that that, that, that manifests into hope for this country. Because I, I, I hope that's going on. I know. And that's. That's the scary thing about it is is for so long I also agree that like art has led the charge in a lot of ways and I hope that the art that's being created now and in the future um, continues to lead 
a change that will that will trickle down into like the non-art sectors of the country. I mean, it's definitely not like my place to talk about hope, you know, for all communities. But for me, it's like all we got is hope. You know what I mean? All we got is hope and mm-hmm. like and the tools in our hands to like do what we can do and 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 hope and trust other you know other people doing their part and inspiring others to do their part if they are not already doing their part it's a really good point where it's like what's it going to take all the shit that's been like all the fights that have been fought and the fight that's being fought in such a concentrated way like how shit like that has happened today can still happen when we're in the midst of like such like a fighting for fighting against it in the midst of fighting against it it happens again it's absolutely it I think that's that's the, that, that's what takes my hope away. You know what I mean? And that's the shit where it's like, well, I actually don't know. You know what I mean? Because here we are having like yeah. not only like a national conversation about it, where like every every single person in this country knows what's going on. I don't care where they stand on it; they know what's going on. And also, the world around knows what's going on in the United States. So everyone knows what the fuck is going on, and yet this shit can happen in the middle of it. You know what I mean? I mean, at all, first of all, but also like especially like in the middle of having like the conversation you know whether it's like an explicit conversation or just like the conversation yeah. and everything going on how that can happen is is a is a threat to hope to be honest have you been happy so far with how theaters have been responding to um this movement um this anti-racist movement you know there's the uh list of theaters that are not speaking out that's going around there's a lot of momentum around anti-racist racist action uh in the industry are you have you seen any tangible change yet in theaters i think i think when it comes to seeing if the work is being done we have not yet been in the position to witness that however there are many theaters that have not even done the bare Mm -hmm. minimum you know what I mean? And the bare minimum is at least speaking out, addressing what is being asked of these theaters. And it's just like, that is so yeah. telling. It is so telling because you you hire black artists, you, black artists, black, black, black people pay you, you know what I mean? To watch your shows. And it is such a, it's such a slap in the face to say, I ask you to come see my shows and you do it. You're asking me to just speak of, of the trauma that you're experiencing and and you're asking me to do something about it and I'm not mm-hmm. doing it. And it's just like, what, like, it is frustrating. It is frustrating. Don't get me wrong. There are theater companies out there who, who are doing the work, who are at least speaking up, who are saying, hey, I see the trauma you're going through and I'm acknowledging it and I am doing the work to stand by you and to support you. And I do see that in many theater companies. However, it is, it honestly, it is frustrating and it does hurt to see those theater companies who are not doing it, especially when the shows that you put on with black artists, BIPOC artists, are some of your best selling Mm -hmm. shows. You know what I mean? Are some of your, your greatest shows. And so it it just, and it makes me wonder, like, why aren't you responding? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what, what does that mean? Like, what, what is behind that? What is the intention behind that? We see white American theaters been coming a lot, coming out with a lot of the theaters that haven't been responding, and I know that it sounds cynical, but my assumption is that some of them don't respond because they assume that it's going to blow over. 
You know what I mean? Like that's, that is, that is where my mind goes. And I know that's like so cynical and so dark, but like, that's where it goes. Because I think that, I think that we saw this even with like, with like when Black Lives Matter formed, it formed and then people let it blow over. You know what I mean? And so when people talk about this like resurgence of, of Black Lives Matter and, and this kind of like countrywide conversation, countrywide conversation, when people talk about the resurgence of it, it's because you know, we, you know, white people and dominant culture, let it, let it blow over. And when I look at, and me included, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I did not wake up enough that I did not wake up enough when Black Lives Matter was first formed. And, and even before that, you know what I mean? But what I'm trying to say is it's scary to think that some of the theaters that aren't addressing things are just like, oh, well, we'll just wait for it to blow over. And we don't actually feel the, um, the, inherent importance in making adjustments making change and talking about it right here in the now you know what i mean like we'll do it we won't do it until like we absolutely have to do it i mean i don't know i get i my answer to like am i happy with the way theaters have responded is no i mean i'm not you know what i mean it's hard because i don't think that we see a lot of it you know even when we look at ctc is like we're working on a lot of like institutional change creating a lot of incredible like policies and a lot of honestly groundbreaking policies that theaters everywhere should have that theaters don't have but you know not everyone can see that and so maybe that's what's happening with me and like my relationship to other theaters but overall, I just don't, I don't feel that great about it, especially when like the figurehead theaters, you know, that are some of the biggest in the country aren't saying anything. It's like, what does that say about smaller theaters? Obviously, th- smaller theaters are most likely more in touch. You know, it would be nice to have that the bigger theaters lead the charge and, and be a good sort of example. Especially when you are, when you are specifically yeah. being asked something, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, like, cause don't make, get me wrong. Like, like a theater like the Goodman, they have updated their website. They have put out a letter to the community about the actions that they are taking, what they want to do, um, how they want to move forward. It's just, I know that I'm just speaking specifically about the letter that was sent to them. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, and, and obviously, like, it's not, it's not up to me to say, like, you need to answer this right now because I'm not the one that wrote the letter. You know what I mean? I am on the outside looking in to that situation. Um, I'm just speaking about, I understand the frustration of artists who have written that letter and who are expecting a response. I understand um, just how, how much of a letdown that can be to them and how that feels. We see white American theater isn't even asking for like, it's not like they sent a letter and they said, send us back like an entire chain plan for change. Theaters that have not responded won't even like take the time to dignify that they got the email and also, we see White American Theater is literally asking for like, what are your first steps going to be? It is the easiest question to answer. I think there's like this like myth around like institutional change where it's like, oh, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money. Sure. A lot of it does. But also there's a lot of it that can be done right here, right now. And so it doesn't, it's really easy to just email back, dignify that you got the email and and answer the question. And the quick question was just, what are you working on right now? And what can you dedicate yourselves to doing right now? Because not all of it requires time and money and energy. Like some of it can be super, super immediate. When we go back to like auditioning for shows, you know, and like um, working with theaters, what do you expect from a theater that you're working with. Is there anything that would d- deter you from working at a theater specifically? If that 
theater has a history of being anti-black or if they have been accused of violence towards BIPOC artists or trans GNC artists, um, I do not want to work with them. I don't want to associate myself with anybody who is known for harming their artists or the pe- people that um, they work with. And I, I want to work with theaters that are a reflection of the, com- the community that I'm a part of and who are dedicated to those communities because you're telling stories that come from these communities. So it's like, I would like to see, I want to see dedication. I want to see care for the artists that, that you work with. So, so do you think people will be researching theaters more before they work with a theater? Yeah, and I, I also think that this time is also showing a lot of theaters. You know what I mean? Like, I've heard plenty of stories from BIPOC artists about the behind the scenes about many theaters, and I'm noting it. From now on, I will be very vocal about my experience with the theaters that I work with. I've experienced racism and and microaggressions in theater spaces and in spaces that I thought were safe. And I just kept it to myself. You know what I mean? I would talk about it with the artists who were involved, like my castmates or obviously like friends who are also in the theater community. However, like I do admire and applaud those artists who call out these theaters that do not provide safe spaces for their artists. I, I admire the artists who, who, who call that shit out and who aren't afraid of, you know, the backlash or um, who aren't afraid about, you know, losing a job or not having a job. Like, I think it is so admirable to speak up about these things so other artists know. So these, these theaters can be held accountable. I also want to like point out organizations like Broadway for Racial Justice, who we just recently collaborated with. It's been cool to be a part of like, their work you know a small part of it and to like be involved with what they do because that I think is also a really great indicator a hopeful indicator at least of where like the future of theater can head where like other theater I would love to work with theaters who are allied with organizations like Broadway for Racial Justice and provide resources to BIPOC artists so that if they do experience micro or macro aggressions in a in a space especially non-equity spaces which is like what BFRJ works with that there are avenues for advocacy and support through through those times and I think like there's hope in organizations like Broadway for Racial Justice I would like to see more organizations like BFRJ and also more theaters partnering with organizations like BFRJ. Right, there are there are theaters and organizations that are doing work, great work. Yeah, wonderful work. And, and that is something that I am proud of when it comes to a lot of Chicago theaters um, that I've worked with and that I'm familiar with. Like, mm-hmm. they are stepping up to the plate. And that does make me feel just a little bit safer. You know what I mean? Just like more willing to mm-hmm. be vulnerable in those spaces. Now we'll see, you know, we'll actually see who's doing the work when we're back in the rehearsal space and we're back on stage. Like that is when it's going to really show because obviously anybody can be performative. Anybody can Mm -hmm. get behind their keyboard or their phones and say whatever or, you know what I mean? Like that, that is not, that is not the difficult work. That is actually the easy work. I'm interested to see who is actually doing the work. And I think that's a good point. Also, because I think so many theaters are focused on like, oh, well, how are we going to get back to theater like with regards to COVID? I mean, sure, like make sure y'all have hand sanitizer and make sure y'all have this kind of stuff. But also, how are you going to get back to theater 
with what really kind of matters even more. Do you mean, which is respecting and dignifying BIPOC artists. How are you going to do that? You know, I hear so much, there's so much more of a public talk about how, how people are going to get back to business with regards to like health and sanitization and shit like that. But it's like, mm, I'd rather hear the public discourse and like the decisions that are being made around returning to theater in a much more uh, respectful and dignifying and inclusive way like with the with humans and with BIPOC artists yeah that's yes it needs just as much attention if not even more attention than COVID you know what I'm saying that will be that's going to be here and gone soon it is disheartening to see like institutions almost dignify a pandemic more than the virus that is racism you know what I mean an institutional racism it it is disheartening to see that and uh again like i said there could be plenty of things going on behind the scenes that i don't know about and like meetings taking place that are trying to see through change but i honestly would like to see that come come out a little bit more do you mean it's like it honestly also kind of gives me the idea with ctc where it's like we are trying and we are creating pretty creative anti-racist policies and bylaws that are active in their dismantling of white supremacy. And I honest, and you know, and also of course, like meeting the, we see white American theater demands as well as creating our own. And I think that there is room for like CTC to like make those like public, you know, so other theaters can look at it and be like, Oh, like that's what that small theater company did. And like, we can do it too. And it's not that hard and it doesn't cost money. And it's just like shit, that you have to do yeah, not literally have to do i hope that people don't go back to like feeling scared or uncomfortable to talk about race because that's not getting us anywhere you know what i mean and especially when it comes to like um theater companies i think it's important for theater companies to not only have conversations within the company but have conversations with other theater companies you know what i mean and and compare notes and talk about what's working and what's not working and figure things out together you know what i mean it goes back to like looking out for each other and figuring out together you know and have conversations with bipoc artists trans artists gnc artists like queer artists have yeah. you have conversation conversations right. with them don't you know what i mean because that's where you are you are actually learning about the ex- actual experience and what is needed to make sure that these people have a safe space to perform yeah. and rehearse yeah. and just be and baby google yeah. is free and so is and come on like know. you know what i mean at this point I it's know. no excuse like read a book right. read some essays just do the work and that's it like that's i think at the end of the day everyone is just asking right we're just asking everyone to do the work and that's it like whatever that work looks yep. like for you just please do it <laughs> Get your notebook out, get your pen out, and just do it. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of our time. That was a good ending. A button. <laughs> um, thank you both so much. No, thank you. Thank you. This was such a good conversation, and I loved talking to you both. Be sure to follow uh, us on Instagram at in the wings CTC uh, if you haven't already. And thanks again for listening, everyone. And I hope you have a great morning, day, or night, wherever you are. <laughs>